welcome everyone to worship. Great to see you today. Thanks for being here. Um, January 11th, Chicks with Sticks are meeting, and everything they make goes to support Detroit Street Mission. Also, Pastor Jimmy's not here today. There's no Tuesday morning Bible study that he conducts. That'll start the following Tuesday. You ask where he is. He's at St. Louis Seminary uh, for a class, on-site class, and it's, um, and I told him I was going to say this, it's uh, preaching workshop number two. And I said, well, to listen to your sermons, it sounds like you missed number one. <laughs> I'm decorating today following the 1030. If you could help, we'd really appreciate it. Also, uh, January 9th, Women's Bible Study starts up, a uh, discussion on pride. And Fellowship Breakfast, January 27th, Reverend Ron Farrell will uh, continue his Transitions Part 2. Young Adult Bowling Night, January 20th. Also, we're doing Kids Against Hunger on a Wednesday night. That's all the compromands can participate in the youth group. But we're planning on packing over 40,000 meals. So if you could help, we would really appreciate it. Also, Alter Guild, they're having a meeting January 20th with a breakfast. Uh, Dr. Sandy Porschel is going to do a discussion on prayer and the power of praying. And if you're wanting to be on Alter Guild, that would be a great way to start with learning about what they do. And finally, every month we have a little fact that you probably don't know about Redeemer. Last month was how much it costs to keep the lights on here at Redeemer. Uh, this week, uh, this month is about Mom's Day Out. Mom's Day Out is a program during the week. Many outsiders from Redeemer get to meet Redeemer by participating in Mom's Day Out. And that makes, on average for us, also revenue $15,500. So we give thanks for those ministries that can also cover the money you don't give. We rise. <laughs> our sins unto God our Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Oh, Almighty 
Almighty God, merciful Father, I Upon this your confession, I as a call and ordained servant of the word announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I assure you, your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Invite the children to come forward for the children's message. so blessed with music and music is part of worship. Mrs. Flieger is playing our organ. She was our organist for years. She was the organist when I came here and so we thank her for filling in for Mr. Helderman today. You ever see somebody on the street corner asking for help? Yeah, that's sad. A lot of people are in need and we're doing something. It's called taking it to the streets and there's a, a table in the town square filled with these and it has all sorts of items that somebody who's in need would need. And so maybe you'll take one and give it away. But you know, you know what God, Jesus teaches us? To love each other as we love ourselves. That's an important command. And you think God wants us to help people? Yes. Get cool little buttons. And they all say this one is... You are so loved, John 3, 16. So you can wear that button and be reminded to love one another. And I want to thank you for coming up. And they'll be in the lower level. The Old Testament reading for today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the first surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle reading for today is from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, 
He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here ends the epistle reading. for the gospel reading. The gospel reading for this morning is taken from Mark chapter 1 verses 4 through 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Here ends the Gospel reading. We now confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God. You may be seated.
grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our own David Keel is going to be on TV tonight, America's Funniest Home Videos. David's the husband of Rose, who runs our front office. Now, why is he going to be on there? Well, obviously, he did something that's worthy of being on there. One day, he felt young. He thought he could do a 40-yard dash. And for some reason, he wanted it taped. So his wife, Rose, his camera's out. He's running. He's doing pretty good. Then just when he gets to the finish line, his dog comes out of nowhere and takes him down. Oh, it looked bad. You'll see it. You know, his daughter was getting married that next week. He, he hobbled down the aisle because of it. My only question, because it just stops once he's hit by the dog. Obviously, Rose is going to help her husband. But my, my question to myself was, did he take the name of the Lord in vain? <laughs> I asked him, he said, no, but it was an out-of-body experience for sure. Last week, we heard Jesus say something very familiar to us, but maybe we discovered something new about it. The Jews only believed that you could go to the Father through the Torah. That's the law. And Jesus said, I, I am the only way to the Father. And when he says way, truth, and light, life, those are scripture passages from the Old Testament. The Torah is the truth. The Torah is the way. The Torah is the life. When Jesus says that, he's making a startling statement. It's Epiphany, this first Sunday in Epiphany. And uh, during Epiphany, the appointed readings all talk about Christ and how he shows himself to be God. Today it's his baptism. The epistle talks about our baptism. And I, I just want to go a little farther in that reading and, and let you hear what Paul says. Because I think it's a good question. Are we obligated follow any type of law. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, Torah in Hebrew, and nomash in the Greek, but under grace. Okay, so we're under grace, not the law. What then shall we, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law or Torah, but under grace? By no means. Well, wait, he says we're not under it, and then he says... But don't sin. What is the Torah? Now, the challenge, looking at the Old Testament, Torah is used to describe different, different things. Uh, mainly, the Torah would be the first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote those. They're called the Pentateuch. That's Torah. That's law. Uh, a Jewish scholar in the third century actually went through the Torah, those first five books, and came up with 613 commandments. Imagine that. We can't even keep 10. Some use the term Torah to refer to all of the Old Testament. Now, Jesus says of himself, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. When he says law, he's saying Torah, the first five books, and then the other books are from the prophets. The Torah could also refer to an oral tradition. There was oral tradition by religious leaders. Now, I think it's just the human way, and we see it in our culture and society. You come up with rules. The culture does. Tells you what to think, what to do. It's the same thing with everybody. The religious leaders, they look at the commandment, honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy, don't do any work. We better define the word work. And take, for example, walking. They considered it work if you walked over 2,000 cubits. A cubit's 18 inches. That's about 3,000 feet. That's what the human mind does. Jesus does not fulfill the oral law. He breaks it over and over and over again and tells the religious leaders, why do you lay man-made rules on my people? Also, the... The word Torah can refer to the ten words, the Decalogue. Those are the ten commandments. So what are we bound to? Or are we bound to nothing? 
Now, I love uh, Paul's commitment. Paul's a rabbi. You know, we come from Jewish roots. 64 of 66 books of the Bible were written by Jews. He's a missionary to the Gentiles, but he has such a heart for his people. He wants them to be saved, too. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under law, Torah, I became like one under Torah. Though I myself am not under Torah, so as to win those under Torah. To those not having the Torah, I became like one not having the Torah. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, we'll get the Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law or Torah. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. We think the reference here to the weak, uh, the Jews who believed in Christ were banned from the synagogue. They lost their position legally, in a sense, and they were worshiping with Gentiles. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Listen to Paul's commitment to the people under Torah. He'd go to the synagogue. We just heard, I'm not under the law, but I joined those under the law so I could witness to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about his suffering for the sake of the gospel. He lists so many things that he experienced. But in verse 24, it says, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Old Testament, if you did something wrong in the synagogue, you'd get 40 lashes, but they'd always give 39 to make sure they didn't go and break the rule. Five times, because Paul is talking, witnessing to those under Torah, under the law, he's telling them about Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Five times he received 39 lashes. That is his commitment. Before the coming of this faith in Galatians, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now what is this law? When God gave Moses the law, he gave civil law, and that was how they were to conduct themselves day-to-day -day life in their society and culture. He gave them ceremonial law, and that's how they were to worship. And then he gave them moral law, which would include the Ten Commandments. Paul says in Galatians 4, obviously speaking to Jews under Torah, tell me you who want to be under the Torah, are you not aware of what the Torah says? And basically he's saying you stand condemned. You can't live up to the Torah. In Galatians 5, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, under Torah. Martin Luther said, the law says do this, and it's never done. Grace says, believe in this, and everything is done already. It all hinges on our faith in Christ. In Acts 13, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the Torah of Moses. In Romans 8, I know there's a lot of scripture, but this is really an important topic for us to understand grace and understand the law. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin, or Torah of sin and death. For what the Torah was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh. Oh, the law is powerful, the law is perfect. But the flesh is weak. And if you're trying to live by a merit system, using the law, you are going to fail. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do, you, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit? In Colossians 2, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge 
of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. He's talking about ceremonial Torah now. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Look, take, for example, the eight sacred holidays the Jews were to keep. Well, Paul's saying you don't have to keep it anymore, but that was all a shadow of Christ. It all points toward Christ. So what is the law? Martin Luther said a Christian man is both righteous and sinner, holy and profane, an enemy of God, yet a child of God, saint and sinner. While we're on Luther, and especially talking about the Jewish people, you know, I don't remember, quite a while ago I preached on Luther and talked about some of the things he wrote against the Jews. And I know many of you were shocked. I was shocked. For, I didn't hear it at seminary. I heard it, I heard it some visiting somebody's house on Vicarage. They knew more than me. And the church body has certainly condemned those words, and I hope as individuals we condemn those words. If you go to a Holocaust museum, you're probably going to see something about Martin Luther. It's a shame. Do we cancel the man? You know, we live in cancel culture. If God lived in cancel culture, we'd all be going to hell. Luther said this in his last sermon about the Jewish people. We want to treat them in Christian love and pray for them. He also once wrote, where we are inclined to boast of our position as Christians, we should remember that we are but Gentiles while the Jews are of the lineage of Christ. We are aliens and in-laws. They are blood relatives, cousins, and brothers of our Lord. Therefore, if one is to boast of flesh and blood, the Jews are actually nearer to Christ than we are. So what is the law? Here's the law, Romans 3.27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what? Law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. There's the one law. Faith. Faith in Christ, the way, the truth, and the light. And what does our Savior say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Huh. That's a summary of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Just in two lines. Powerful words. Words to live by. So how do we view the commandments? We don't view them as them condemning us. When God looks at you, it's like he's looking at his son, Jesus Christ. That's how redeemed you are. That's how forgiven you are. The gift of eternity is assuredly you. Through faith, that one work, which you didn't do of yourself, it was God the Holy Spirit. So how do we view the Ten Commandments? The Reformers, Martin Luther and others, came up with this idea. It's a curve. It's a curve for society. You look at the laws of our land. Many of them reflect the commandments. Moral, righteousness, it's a curve. That's the first use. It's a mirror. That's the second use of the law. When you look in the mirror, you see yourself. When you look at the commandments, you should see how sinful you are, how you have failed God time and time again, because the purpose of the commandments is to lead you to the shadow of the cross. You don't live under the law, you live under grace. And so that's why we do confession and absolution all the time. We have to be reminded we really need a savior. It's a curb, it's a mirror, and it's a guide. The positive aspect of each commandment. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind. Loving your neighbor, protecting your neighbor's property. Someone once said, looking at it that way, that's God's love language, isn't it? And the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. We're not driven by fear to obey commandments. We are moved in love because we are under grace, not the law. We are moved in love to live our life to the one who suffered so much in order to give us forgiveness 
and take away the Torah, the law. Good time, beginning a new year. Maybe reflect upon those 10 guideposts. Think about it. Think about where in your life you, you need a curve. You need to get back somewhere. And then think about how you live each and every day, using that guide to show the love that you have for your Christ and to share that love with people around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise to sing the offertory. We rise. Christmas once again this year. 
And as we enter the epiphany season, being reminded that Jesus truly is your son. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Help us, O Lord, out of love to live our lives to your glory. We remember those facing health concerns, Greg Merriman, Marianne, McLanthier, Tim Nilt, Myrna Orba, Gordon, Tom and Mary Jane Johnson, Max, Rick, Rick Siefert, Patricia Cubitt, Betty, Beth Hamada, Courtney Vanderwerp, Courtney, Dr. Dale Robinson, Jeff Walsh, Ron Game, Rick and Carol Warnicke, Brian Leahy, Tony Kernetton, Pat Nels, and Chris Decker. And for those in hospice, oh Lord, we'd ask that you prepare their hearts for the joys above. We remember Etta Unruh and all those who await. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. After supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as he drinketh in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. Thank you. 